saam sit ons met God die Vader. Het is ons kirkelijke groot trooi. Hy mantel die engele, die trompette aan die kant af, en die kandelare. En dis waar het begin het, toe die kandelare vir opend gekyk, en toe die kandelare aangaan, jy sien die hele troonkamer van God. Laat ons jylle sê, ons staan vandag nou in die troonkamer van God, want ons is die lichaam van Christus. En ek vraag jyre, wat sy woord, wat sy woord kan ek deel om hier die loon te verduidelik? En hy sê, 1 Korintiërs 3 vers 16, Do you not know and understand that you, the church, are the temple of God? And that the spirit of God dwells permanently in you, collectively as individuals. If anyone destroys the temple of God, corrupted with false doctrine, God will destroy the destroyer. For the temple of God is sacred, and that is what you are. Amen. En hou dit, en sit bekyk hier net daar, en dink, ek is so sterk. Ek is so sterk as Superdome. Ek het hier die stel van laatste twee maanden door die kritiek van my moeder. Ek staan vir my, maar ek kom vir my sterk. Ek weet nie, my man, ek is nie so sterk nie, ek staan by jou. Hierdie mire, die dak, en wegraak, en ek sag net so'n bykie in die kleese, en ek staan net in die troonkamer van God. Ek bring dit na die Heere, en ek bid dat daar so sterre is. Maak het net oop, bring het in sy licht, bring het in sy teenwoordigheid, en dit is waar hy ons in geplaas het. En ek wil ook baie sterk iemand van ons woord, en woorde woord doen, bring dat ons in sakke werke woord, en soek ons, Thank you. 
Een beetje verloren geraakt de tijd <laughs> met die worship. Ik got a bit lost. Uh, just on my knees playing guitar. And uh, the Lord stirred something in my heart. I don't know if it's going to become the message today. just realized that 
We don't know him. We don't know Jesus. We know about him. We hear stories and we read the Bible and we get to know about him. But we are not serious enough about our relationship with him. That we are willing to break boundaries of what's comfortable and what we know and what we feel comfortable with. Getting up early in the morning when it's cold or taking some time out or to really get to know him. And those who do get to know him, those who did get to know him, like Paul, says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else is worthless. And maybe it's just the perfect introduction for what the Lord has put on my heart because I asked the Lord what to speak about. Obviously, we finished with Philippians and I didn't feel like the Lord wanted us to dive into another letter in the same way. I feel he wants to just reestablish certain things in our hearts, um, certain foundational things, maybe things that we already know, but we need to just hear again or see in a different light or go deeper into. I, uh, I was either this week or the week previous week, I was in the hair salon and, uh, I was sitting there waiting my turn and the lady who cuts my hair was busy with, with another man and I overheard their conversation. And this man asked her the question, say, what gives you the right to call yourself a Christian? And she was like sort of taken aback and said, like, is, is this a rhetorical question? He said, no, I'm asking you, what gives you the right to call yourself a Christian? And they started getting into like a to and fro and all that. And scriptures were coming up in my heart that I was like saying, well, the word says. <laughs> and... Uh, as I was thinking about this and, and when the Lord told me to, to speak about this one thing, confidence, this thing came up in my mind. Because that's the type of question that the enemy asks, not the type of question the Holy Spirit asks. The enemy asks, did God really say? that you are my child. Are you really 
my child, are you really a Christian? Are you really a son and a daughter of God? And he just plants that seed of doubt. And then you start measuring your relationship on things that you experience or don't experience or things that you see other people experience and you don't experience. And I had a conversation with my wife on, in this weekend about stuff like that. And I actually realized that, that let me repent to you first. I've been very preoccupied with, with the finishing of my house and moving into my house the past three weeks. Literally like preoccupied, like unhealthily preoccupied it was just that it was what was the only thing that was on my mind i wanted to get it finished i wanted to move in i wanted to all that and it literally stole everything it took my time it took my mind it took everything and then i started feeling it i started feeling how disconnected i started getting with the lord and i started feeling how disconnected i started getting with my family and with with everyone else and because of that, my confidence in the Lord diminished. My confidence to go to Him and to come to Him and to come into His presence diminished. So when a guy asks something like, what gives you the right to be a Christian or to call yourself a Christian? It comes out of the place, I believe, where his confidence in his salvation or his confidence in the Lord or his confidence in who he is in the Lord has been at a knoweg Something happened in his life that he used to measure his relationship with God and he didn't measure up. And therefore, so when you start coming to that place where you're, who's ever, we, we notice this in sportsmen, ne? Very severely. Sergio, Sergio Perez. Die wat Formule 1 kyk. Massive talent. He's got the best car on the grid. Something happens. He makes an accident or two. He misses a qualification or two. And all of a sudden his confidence is low. His ability is still the same. His skill is still the same. What he's learned is still the same. The car is still the same. But because of a lack of confidence, he doesn't perform. Golf. I always tell myself when I walk up onto the golf course, see, golf is a game of confidence. I've got a friend who always said, if you want to hesitate, better maar you lose it out. Because if you don't have confidence in something, it influences everything about you. It influences the way you see, the way you perceive, and it is the same with our relationship with God. And when I, when I look at, at us, when I look at the church as a whole, I see that the enemy has gotten it right to take our confidence in the Lord Amen. and to diminish our confidence. And I believe it's something the Lord wants to restore. I believe it's, it's almost like 
the first thing the Lord wants to restore is our confidence in our relationship and our position with Him and in Him. Because if that is restored, we can start walking out and working out our salvation in the way that He desires us to work it out and, and to walk it out. So if your confidence is, is low, you will, you will see it in your joy with the Lord. You will see it in, in the freedom and the lightness of your relationship with Him. You will see it in your prayer life. Is my prayer life full of, Lord, I'm not getting this right, I'm not getting that right, I'm not getting this right. Is my, is my walk with the Lord full of shame and condemnation? Or is my walk with the Lord full of freedom and like, I'm thinking of Leif Hefland who always says, Daddy! You know? Do you come to the Lord and say, Daddy! And jump into him and jump onto his lap and be free and you can like pull his beard and you, you won't even get cross. Or is your relationship with the Lord like, oh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to connect with you. I'm struggling to come through to you. I'm struggling because, and then the enemy comes and he, and he says all the becauses. Because you don't do this, or because you don't do that, or because you do this, or because of that, and because of that. And I believe the Lord wants to this morning, just in many of our hearts, just come and bring truth. <laughs> just realign once again the fact and the truth that we can have every confidence, boldly enter the throne room as sons and daughters, as those who have been made holy, blameless and righteous and without fault in His eyes, beyond reproach, we can boldly come in and say, Lord, I'm standing here before you as your son. Nothing else. So how do we get that? Do you know that, that the devil has one, one plan for you? Just one thing he wants to achieve in your life. If he can get that right, he has done what he wants to do. He wants you to be ashamed of yourself. He wants you to be ashamed of who you are. He wants to bring shame and condemnation on you. He doesn't care if you do all the sin in the world. It's not about that for him. Hy krij nie lekker as jy sonde doen. Hy krij lekker as jy jouself wegsteek vir God. If you cower before God, if you come before him naked and ashamed like Adam and Eve in the garden, 
what happened when they saw that they were naked? When they saw their sinfulness for the first time, what did they do? They hid themselves from the Lord. That's the goal of the devil. Why? Because he's so, so, so jealous of your sonship. He was never a son. He was a servant. Serving the Lord. And he was jealous of Adam. Who was a son. Who was made with the very hands of God. And who carried the very breath of God in himself. In his image. In his likeness. Just like him. Received the dominion and the authority. To represent him on earth as God. To walk earth. Bearing the name of the creator of all things. The name of God. Imagine what will happen to our life if we start realizing that that thing has been restored in Christ. So the devil said, if I can get you to be ashamed of yourself, I can steal your confidence to commune with God, to be in relationship with Him, and I can steal your confidence to be His representative on earth. I can steal your confidence to be his hands and feet. But Jesus came and he gave his life so that we can have that back. Not for ourselves. When God blessed Adam and Eve in, in Genesis 3, he said, in the Amplified, it puts it out very nicely, he says, I bless you, multiply, um, have dominion on the earth and over the earth and use all its resources and everything that I give you for the benefit of man and God. For the benefit of others. Not to make you cut a snore. For the kingdom. So I believe that there's one thing that is stopping us from living in the fullness of the Lord. To living in the fullness of what Jesus has given himself for us for. And that's confidence in the Lord. Because we've already received everything. Netzus is sportman, he the giftings, he the skill, he he's done everything that he's supposed to do to prepare him for it. He can go out and he can win. He can triumph. But if he lacks the confidence, he will not live up to the package. He will not live up to everything that is inside of him. So if we can gain confidence in the Lord, we will start living up to what he has put inside of us. We will start living up to who he has made us. So come as How do we do that? How do we do that? I believe we have to shift from what to who. 
shift from what to who in our minds. See, what we do is we measure ourselves on what we do, not who we are. Nee, allemaal van ons. Come on, kom eens weer eerlijk. I'm put put up my hand. On a Sunday morning when I wake up and I'm praying and I'm trusting the Lord to come and manifest himself and to move in the spirit and to, to, really, to really change our lives and move us and, and create an atmosphere and bring what needs to be done so that we can, like Ephesians says, be transformed into the fullness of the maturity in Christ. Along with that prayer, I also measure myself. Did you pray enough this week? Did you read enough Bible? Did you prepare well enough? Remember how you were nasty to that one and that one and that one. And all the what's. <laughs> Electricity comes and destroys my confidence in the Lord. What does the enemy do? He comes and he reminds us of what we have done in the past. How can you, and that's what that guy was about, what gives you the right to call yourself a child of God? What gives you the right to call yourself a Christian and he's thinking of things we do or things we don't do? Now we've got a problem because Romans 3, 21 to 29 says this. And I can't hear the words in Goeders daar ook nie. Bring your Bibles to church. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. Then he goes on, he says, for everyone. Say everyone. Am I part of everyone? I'm part of everyone. Even a nobody is part of everyone. Everyone sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us. There is not an amount of what's that we can do to make us right with God. Because what we need to do is to live up to the standard of God, the standard of Christ. And he showed this very, very clearly. And he said, He said on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, the, the law of Moses says that thou shalt not steal. But I tell you, even that even in your heart, if you covet someone else's things, that you have already stolen. The law of Moses says that you shall not murder. 
But I'm telling you, even if you call somebody a fool, that you have murdered in your heart. Oh. Thou shalt not lust or after a woman, or you shall not have adultery. What's that? I can't really sin on that. You mag not echt break pleeg nie in Afrikaans. Covet. Nee, but covet is, is dinge. My. Commit adultery. But I'm telling you, even if you in your heart have lusted after a woman, you have already. Now what is he saying? He's saying that the law of Moses is like one level of standard, but the law of Jesus, the law of the Spirit, is a completely different standard. And unless we live up to the standard of God, we fall short of His glory and we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We cannot have a relationship with Him because God is holy. Therefore, you must be holy. But let's go on. Everyone is sent. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, I love the word yet and but and because of, because it always shows that there's a different reality to, than the one that we are experiencing. Yet, God in His grace freely, say freely, makes us right in His sight. While we're going through this, maybe you want to list all the things, all your what's, that is disqualifying you from, from having a relationship with God and from boldly having a free relationship with Him. And you say, that doesn't count, that doesn't count, that doesn't count, that doesn't count. Because it doesn't depend on that. God freely makes us right in His sight. So the, the New Living Translation literally just expands that to say makes us righteous before Him. He did this by making a list, checking it twice, Got to find out who's naughty and nice. No. Because who's coming to town? <laughs> it's not Santa. He did this through Christ Jesus. When He freed us from the penalty of our sins. What's the penalty of our sins? Death. Hell. Separation from God. Chasing Adam and Eve out of Eden. It's the penalty for their sin. Not having the opportunity to come into the presence of God is the penalty for sin. 
Not being able to come into his presence is death. Because he is life. For God presented Christ as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Now this belief is not knowing about it. This belief is not having heard it many times or having heard the stories when you were in Kinderkrans and in in and even reading it in the Bible and sort of accepting it as a truth or as history. Belief means to make it your own. To cling to it as if your life depends on it. We have to cling to the fact because our lives depend on it, that Jesus Christ is the reason that we are right with God. No other reason. Jesus Christ is the reason that we have been freed from the penalty of our sin. No other reason. There is no more penalty to be paid. We cannot impress God into a better relationship with Him. We cannot sacrifice anything in our lives because we want to have a better relationship with Him. Because then we don't cling to what Christ has done. We cling to what we are doing. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times of past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. There's the answer to the question, so what happened to everyone before Christ? Next verse. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Senate, his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Now there's, there's uh, other translations, says this, the New English translation, for instance, says he makes them right because of Christ's faithfulness. That's a very important thing for us to grasp. Yes, ons sal hom anders na mekaar kyk. If we realize that we are made right with God because of Christ's faithfulness and not my own. 
Because if I need Christ's faithfulness to be made right with God, why on earth would I expect you to be faithful so that you can be made right with God? What will happen to spiritual pride? If we really believe I could niks gedoen om hier te kom nie. What I'm experiencing with God right now, I've done nothing to deserve this. It's His faithfulness. Not my faithfulness. Like Leif Hedlund also says, he says, we live not for a relationship with God, but out of a relationship with God. Christ has already established it for us. And now it's up to us to live in the fullness of it. To walk in the fullness of it. Like we said when he did Philippians. See, uh, work out your salvation. Not work for your salvation. You have received salvation. Now manifest what it means. Manifest the fullness of it. Manifest your relationship with God. Manifest what God has done. Manifest what Jesus is righteousness. Not for it. Then he goes on. And he says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal, what is acquittal? Removal of sins. Removal of guilt. As if I have never. Removal of the penalty. So it is wiped away from your name. Nee? Wiped clean. Think about this just for a second. Think about this. Let it sink in. That what Jesus' blood has done is wiped away. As if there's a, as they say about justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Taken away. Who has ever allowed himself to carry guilt for something that someone else has done? Wie het al skuld gevat vir iemand anders sy moeilikheid? Nee? Does, how does that, what does that do to you? Yes, you carry heavy on that. You carry heavy on carrying someone else's guilt.
if Christ took your guilt upon him. I, I jump now the gun, but I will it now say. I'll say it again later then. If Christ took your guilt upon him and gave you his righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.22, we'll come there just now. Why do you still carry the weight of that guilt? Why do we still carry the weight of what does not belong to us? Guys, Christianity is unfair. It's unfair. But God in His justice, in His love, in His righteousness, did it that way. And that's why we need to understand what happened on the cross. We need to understand the weight of what happened on the cross. Jesus did not just die because they put him on a cross and his body gave in. It wasn't just something that happened. It was punishment. That's the justice of God. If God was unjust, he would just have said, that's okay, did mark him yasaki. I'll just, I'll just forget your sins. We must understand this. He did not say, I'll just forget about it. He did not, he did not just pass it over and, and forget what happened. He punished Christ. Jesus was punished for our sins. Read Isaiah 53. I feel like we should read it. Okay. Mm. Yesiah, Isaiah 53. Who has th that one? Isaiah. Yes. Yesiah. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed His powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about His presence, nothing to attract us to Him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on Him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weakness He carried. It was our sorrows that weighed Him down. And we thought His troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for His own sins. But, it, but He was pierced 
for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. The Lord laid on Him the sins of us all. This was 800 plus years before it actually happened. And people still want to ask if the Bible is true and accurate. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And a sheep, as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. It was the Lord's good plan because of righteousness, because of justice, because God is just and righteous. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. And there you can put up your hand and say, I am a descendant of Christ Amen. because of this. Because of what Christ has done, I'm a son and a daughter. Not because of what I have done. Ek wil amper sê, ons, ons moet het in ons koppe kry. We have to get this in our hearts. Yes. Born of God. Yet when his life was made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Man, so Jesus has gone through the cross and the agony of it. And the agony of bearing our burdens, bearing our sin, bearing the weight of of our sin. Christ, ons, ons is veronderstel om die lichthartigste mense in die heel al te wees. Nee. We are supposed to be the happiest people on the planet. Because there's supposed to be no weight that brings us down. There's supposed to be no condemnation, no sin, no guilt, no shame that weighs us down. Yes, man. Sir. The thing is, when, when, we, when we start living 
in freedom, we'll start making choices out of freedom that will start weighing us down less. What happens when you start digging a hole? It's like you dig a hole to make a bigger hole, to make a bigger hole, to make a bigger hole, and it is net says, op die einde van die dag, you're in a gat. You're in a big hole. That's how it is with our, our sorrows because of what is past. See, what we, what, we, what we don't get, what we don't realize is that the moment we give our life to the Lord, the moment we become a new creation, we're, we're a new creature altogether, says 2 Corinthians 5.17, that the, the old is cut away, the old is gone, there is nothing left of it, there is nothing left that we are supposed to carry over into this new life. So we come to church and we experience it for a while. We experience bliss. We experience freedom. We experience, oh, the presence of the Lord was so great and all that. And we get into our cars and the moment we open our garage, we like just drag all this baggage with us again. Just come sit with you so actually a lot of your terugvat. And then tomorrow morning you go to work and you go open your baggage, your thing. Okay, let me put this on and let me put this on and let me put this on. Yeah, that full omtrent like the amount of weight that I will be able to carry today. And we step into our office, into our work, say, yes man, hoe gaan het met jou? Ja, blauw maandag. <laughs> Those who have been set free are free indeed. Why aren't we free? That's right. That's awesome. The thing is, van die juist te gaan, moet dit nie weer terugvat daar by die deurie. Why aren't people free after they get baptized? We spoke about this yesterday. Because they don't leave the mess in the water. They don't step out into freedom and into newness of life. Romans 6. If you have been baptized with Christ, you've been buried into death with Him. And you've been raised into newness of life Amen. with Him. Amen. Therefore, you can go and you can walk in triumph and freedom over sin, over all those things. Because all thy good is afgal. Fully. I was convicted. My kinders, hulle is my, hulle is baie vinnig. My children are very quick to, to tell me. Papa is nie meer so fang soos altyd nie. Because I start carrying things 
condemnation and shame. Not even because of sin. Not even because I go and I do something wrong. Just because the enemy can come to me and he says, Wanneer laas het jy rarig tussen eer met die Heere spandeer? En hy sê, ja, yes. But I'm so tired and I'm so this and I'm so that. So I start making excuses. And then I start, start thinking, okay, if I start getting this right, if I start doing this more, if I start, like if I set my alarm and I go and I get up early and I strive and I go and I'm not saying that we shouldn't spend, wake up and spend time with the Lord, we also need to discipline the flesh. But that's not going to make me right with God. How much more different would it be if I wake up in the morning and I say, I'm good with God. He loves me. He's waiting for me to come to Him. He's waiting for me to just spend time with Him because He loves me. Not because I have to get anything from Him. Not because I have to get His okay. But because He loves me. Because He's like, He's fond of it when I come into His presence. That motivates me. Because you want to be with me, I'm coming to you. Because you like it when I come into your presence, I'm coming to you. What would you like to do in this time? Let's worship a bit. Let's read a psalm. Let's whatever. Not, oh, I've got to make it, man, because if I don't, the Lord is going to not bless me today. got to, I've got to just finish with this. And I'm not going to be able to do the whole thing. Quickly read with me Romans 5. That's right. Yes. Freedom. Freedom to be with the Lord. Romans 5, 12 to 17 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of the Lord, as Adam did. 
Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. All who receive it will live in triumph. Zal wat ek nou net gesê het van belief. My question is, if you wake up in the morning, do you wake up as a son of Adam? Still carrying death and the penalty of sin? Or do you wake up as a descendant of Christ? Descendant of the other man? who made us righteous by the free gift of grace. Who do you wake up as? Who do you go into the day as? Who do you go into ministry as? As the one who has to get it all right before things can happen, before God can be right with you, before you can stand before the Lord. Or as the one who has been freed of the penalty of sin, even though we have been guilty. For us to live in the fullness of what Christ has done for us, to live in the fullness of the newness of life, the new creation that we're speaking about, we need to receive the righteousness of God through Christ. Not our self-righteousness. His righteousness. Self-righteousness is anti-Christ. Think about this. Because you can either be righteous by your own deeds or righteous by his deeds. In, in your head. Exactly. Self-righteousness will always lead back to condemnation because you'll never get it right. You will never get it right. Jy kan vir my kwaad wees soos wat jy lis is. You are not good enough. Who you think you are in the flesh. We are not good enough to please God. 
in what we do. No man can come and say, I'm good enough. No man can say, I've done enough. No man can say, I measure up. Only by the blood of Christ. Only by His righteousness can we be made right with God. And that should release us from every burden that sin has put on us. That should release us from anything that steals our confidence in Christ and confidence in God. Because He was made to be sin who knew no sin. So that in Him we might become not might have or know about or have knowledge of become the righteousness. Singularly trade. Jesus Christ became sin. That became his identity. The identity that we received from the devil. I am a sinner saved by grace. What do you identify as? A sinner. It's unscriptural. You are not a sinner because Christ became the sinner. I am the righteousness of God because of Christ. That's your new truth and your new reality. And if that becomes our truth and reality, it will start manifesting in us. We will start living that out. We will start bearing the fruit of righteousness when we start believing that we have become righteousness. The problem is that, that we still believe that we are sinners and we try to bear fruit of righteousness in us rock muchtafwer in us kanatni rachkraini because we are doing it out of the wrong root. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad, bad tree cannot bear good fruit, Jesus says. Therefore I have come to make you good trees. I've changed your vortal system. Unless a man be grafted into me, he cannot bear fruit. But if you remain in me, you will bear good fruit that will glorify the Father. But we cannot remain in Him if we remain in unrighteousness. If we remain in our hearts and our minds that we are still sinners, we cannot remain in Christ. Because He's changed. He's with us umgeruil. Ek begin nou eers on fire kom. <laughs> yes, he. Ek bewe. Ander, yes. Asjeblief. Tot Salomone in Dries. Dit nie vreselike luidrichtig gesing, maar dit wil ek aan my oor. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. 
He forgives all my sins yes. and heals all my diseases. Mm. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed, renewed like the eagle's wings. Uh, like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness, righteousness mm. and just to all who are treated unfairly. And it's just Jacob and say this om a Christian to wees. This is unfair, but the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. Mm. He revealed his character to Moses and his needs to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass. Like wildflowers we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children, of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey, who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, your angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans. Listen for each of his commands. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, a guy that doesn't have confidence in the Lord will read many of these promises and not receive it. Because immediately we disqualify ourselves. Say, no, that's not for me, that's not for me. That's, that's, there's very Owens but, that are doing it right. But all the promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Not in me, not in my righteousness, not in what I have done right, not in, in how good I'm doing. Please go home, go and read Hebrews 9. But go and read Hebrews 9 and see what the Lord has done on the mercy seat with his blood taken away the penalty the condemnation anything that separates us from God two more thoughts sorry I was trying to expand of Dittany so what happens to all the other do's <laughs> in the New Testament you, will, you must be holy, for I am holy. You must not, understand, the, the New Testament very, very, very clearly still talks to us about the kind of lifestyle that we must have, and, and he puts it there. Does that mean that we do not, that because we've received the righteousness of Christ, that we can just now go and, and just like, what's the word? Live as we want to live and we will be saved anyways 
Not at all, says Paul. By no means, he says. For if you have died to sin, how can you still live in it? If you have become truly in your heart and in your belief and in your mind the righteousness of God, the only thing that should come out of us are works of righteousness and not works of the flesh. See, we must stop repenting of what we do <laughs> and start repenting into who we have become. Stop repenting of what we do. Stop saying sorry for doing this wrong or that wrong or that wrong or that wrong. Repenting means to turn back to the truth, to return back to the, to the penthouse, say Leif. To return back to who God has made you and created you. So when we go and we fall and we, fall in, we do something wrong that is not in character of God, that does not testify of our righteousness, we go and we don't say, oh, sorry that I did this again, or sorry that this again, but sorry that I forgot who I am. Sorry that I forgot that I've been recreated into the image of Christ. Sorry that I forgot that I have become the righteousness of God and that I did not display that. Let me come back to that place where I start displaying the righteousness of God again because that is who I am. That is who God has made me. And that is why I said we must move from what to who. Start believing who we are in Christ and you will start living that. Don't look at Him only as a model of righteousness. Anyone can do that and that will bring you to religion. But start believing that He has created you to be like Him already. And you will manifest what you believe. And then will I and say, the reason for all this, the reason for all that Christ has done, the reason for, for, for making us right with God Ons as ouders, vleeslike ouders, when we go and visit someone, we want our children to be on their best because it reflects good on us. That is not the reason God wants us to be good. He doesn't need his ego to be uh, stroked by how we act. All he wants is our hearts. All He wants is for us to come to Him as a son and a daughter, to be one with us. He did this so that He can take us back into the house, so that He can welcome us at the table. Say, my table is open. Come and eat with me. Come dine with me. Come and feast with me. I'm giving you the honorable chair. All he wants is to be in relationship with us. Out of that will flow all the other things. He's not looking for, for, for people 
to make him feel good about himself. He's got no problem with feeling good about himself. He's God. Sy oor is doof vir Satan wat vir jou kom sê, maar wie denk jy is jy? All he wants is us. All Jesus wants is his bride. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What is that joy? His bride. All he wants is first love. And he has taken away everything that gives us reason not to come into his chamber. Every single reason. And if we can get that in our hearts, we can boldly come before him. We can boldly come and say, Father, here I am. I'm a son. I speak to you like a daddy. Hebrews says, says, Moses served God like a servant, but Jesus Christ came to him like a son. I'm paraphrasing a lot here. But the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Servant, son we are his sons and his daughters because of Jesus hallelujah amen good um jylle moet asjeblief nie nou net huis toe gaan nie want Renet het a woord gekry en she prepared something for us to have along with the coffee and the tea Yes. <laughs> so this week I just felt I had to make um, special muffins. And first I want